Looking for a graduation gift to inform, inspire, and encourage? When you give a subscription to Christianity Today, you're giving redemptive, relevant news and thoughtful balanced dialogue about the church, current issues, and public theology. Visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to get a discounted student subscription for the graduates in your life. Starting at only $2 per month, this gift will engage and grow their faith throughout the year. Click the link in the show notes or visit orderct.com slash graduate gifts to order now. is the Church Law Podcast, where you can get practical solutions for today's leaders. I'm your host, Erika Cole, the church attorney. Welcome back to the Church Law Podcast. I'm Erika Cole, the creator of the Church Attorney Legal Audit System and your host. First, I want to say thank you to each of you listeners, and I hope that you feel the love coming back to you because you've been so great as you've listened to the podcast, as you've shared your questions. We just had a fantastic Q&A podcast recently, and I'm glad that you found the podcast to be helpful. We've also had an influx of five-star ratings and reviews, and it is much appreciated. And guess what? Because of you, As of our most recent episode, we've hit the top 10% of podcasts for downloads. So thank you so much. And for those of you watching on the Church Attorney YouTube channel, I'm clapping you up right now. (laughs) So today I'm very excited because we've got a special guest. Her name is Elaine Somerville. And you know that the theme for this season is Healthy Leaders, Healthy Churches. Elaine Somerville is a licensed, certified public accountant by the state of Texas. She has worked in public accounting since 1985. Her practice has and continues to be centered primarily on the tax compliance aspects of nonprofit organizations and churches. She has assisted in the representation of several large cases, case IRS exams, as well as other IRS examinations of smaller organizations. She devotes her time to handling various IRS issues for individuals and exempt organizations of various types. She actively consults on many IRS compliance issues for churches and other nonprofits. And she is also on the board of Church Law and Tax, where I've gotten a chance to serve alongside her. So welcome to the podcast, Elaine. Well, thank you, Arika. I'm so excited to be a part of this with you. What a phenomenal job you're doing, and I know you're meeting such a fabulous need out there. So I'm excited to hear how well you're doing and all those great reports you gave. And hello to all your listeners. I'm excited to be able to connect with them in this way with you today. Fantastic. Thanks for being here. So, of course, Elaine, you just heard me share your bio with listeners, but just share a little bit more about yourself with everybody who's listening and watching on YouTube. Well, this has pretty much been my life to be the tax accountant in the nonprofit world. Um, I actually started in this world a year after I graduated from college when I went to work for then a small CPA firm that was handling major televangelists across the country. And so that was an exciting time for us as the time the old timers remember when we had a lot of exciting things going on in that area. But it really gave me a a love for working with the church world 
And I have enjoyed that ever since 1986, which is a long time now. And I'm just thrilled to be a part of this compensation, which we're going to talk about today is, of course, near and dear to my heart. A few years ago for Church Law and Tax, I authored their compensation book from strategic plan to compliance. And it started out, which most people don't know, is can we do just this little short payroll book? And we got together and said, no, there's just so much more to cover on this topic. And it's so needed by churches of all sizes. I consult with startup churches. I consult with churches that never have more than 100 people in the pews or 50 people in the pews to churches that have multi-campuses or that reach around the world. So I love it. It's definitely a widespread area that I spend a lot of time in. I love it. Well, let's jump into some of the questions. And in your years of experience, what challenges have you seen with the financial health of pastors? Because you, you've heard me say that our theme for this particular season is healthy leaders, healthy churches. And what we're looking forward to talking with you about today is the financial health of pastors and even really considering the financial health of bivocational pastors. I heard this amazing statistic yesterday that 68% of people list financial concerns as their number one concern. And I don't think that pastors or church leaders are any exception. So my question to you is, what challenges have you seen with the financial health of pastors? And what unique challenges are there with bivocational pastors? I think one of the biggest areas we see is that churches don't put the financial health of their pastors and thus becoming the ultimate financial health of their churches in a high enough priority soon enough. And so what we tend to do is the churches tend to think we have to do everything else. And pastors too, we have to put ministry first. We have to spend all our money there and I'll just take smaller salaries or we can we won't allocate to these benefits and the result is is that long term we see a real financial detriment to both the church and the pastors because of later on down the line when i deal with pastors of 20 25 30 40 50 years that have kind of put this in the back burner We are then dealing with financial crisis in a lot of ways, whether it's to disability or retirement and inappropriate planning to we've dealt with cases of unfortunate early deaths that have left families devastated. So I think that to be financially healthy as a church, you also have to take care of your executive staff. And that's usually your pastor's. I love that, Elaine, because that's the exact connection that we're making this season is that healthy leaders are the linchpin. They are the starting point for healthy churches. And I just heard you say that when churches fail to prioritize the financial well-being of their executive team, namely their lead pastor, lead pastors, then it is damaging to the life of the church. It is. And one of the biggest areas we see, especially in smaller churches, even, is that they may go years. And when their pastors finally either are forced to retire, you know, or ready to retire, then all of a sudden there's this expectation the church is going to continue to take care of them. 
But most churches can't afford to take care of a pastor who's exiting and provide for a pastor who's entering. Then we come up with these unmet expectations and these unmet needs, and a lot of controversy can begin at a point in life when it shouldn't be there. I've seen that happen a lot. And honestly, I've also seen it in the circumstance where maybe even if the pastor transitions, passes away, then the expectation is that the church will automatically support his wife and, mm-hmm. and family. And while I certainly encourage there being something in place for this kind of circumstance, as you said, these expectations can be problematic if there's not a proper system in place already. So I think we're both seeing those things in real time. I think you can't do what we do without seeing them. I really think we get a call every month. And, you know, I think that to, to do that, what I try to, what I found is that we're tremendously underinsured. Pastors traditionally don't get enough adequate life insurance. They don't get disability insurance and they don't prepare for retirement. And all of this leads to really a crisis down the road. I completely agree. And how do you see this as it relates to specifically bivocational pastors? The reality is that bivocational pastors are often not, it's not as if they're doing part-time at the church and part-time at their job. When I see bivocational (laughs) pastors, they're like 100% committed to the church and 100% committed to their job, to their job outside of the church. And so they have a really unique challenge, I think. They do. In fact, it's funny when I made some notes on your questions today, I wrote down the statement that the term bivocational is often our excuse to pay someone less than a full-time person, but still require them to be full-time people. Perfect description. And so I think that, but I believe bivocational pastors have the greatest ability for compensation planning because what they get and and their other circumstances is hugely then an issue or a factor in what the church has to provide for them. So if you really have someone who's bivocational and that we have this whole other job over here, maybe you have another job with great benefits. And so that means the church has different ways it can put its money to use. And so you may actually have more opportunities on what you do. And I believe that, you know, bivocational pastors have this great, although it comes with a couple of planning tips, for instance, they often have the majority of their compensation as housing allowance because they've got this other income stream and what the church is paying them really is what they need for housing expenses. And so they have a a great opportunity there for the majority of their income being covered by housing allowance. Now that may affect retirement planning. So we have to think, really connect all these dots together. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest challenge with churches and bivocational is just what we started out saying. And that is, how are you fair to these individuals for the time, talents, and gifts that they're giving the church? I think that's a great question for every church to consider. I think that that really starting their evaluation of how well they're doing in this area, each church can start with that as a particular question. And I know we could talk about this for a while, but I do want to ask you a couple of other questions. So from your perspective, what is your best advice for pastors that don't currently have a fully funded retirement plan? 
because it seems to me that as I'm seeing the data come out from Barna and many other sectors, we have pastors who are aging and we have a shrinking pool of younger pastors coming in to the pastorate at this point. And so what would be your best advice for pastors who don't have a fully funded retirement plan? Because many churches, in my experience, don't offer as strong of a retirement plan as maybe we would find in the for-profit arena. My first piece of advice is always start now. (laughs) don't kick the can down the road any further. Um, One of the things that you need to realize as as a pastor, as the church, is that, you know, we have more than $70,000 that can be put away through tax-free avenues into qualified retirement plans. And the church has the ability to fund qualified retirement plans that are hugely beneficial at retirement because if you fund to the right plan, then they can pull those dollars out in housing allowance and save a lot of tax money in the future. So it's not too late to start. What happens as you start later is you get caught by reasonable compensation and just financial ability. I tell churches, sometimes we don't necessarily give employees the total option on what to do with all the compensation dollars. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if you have $100,000 for compensation in the budget, maybe churches need to make the decision earlier on Mm -hmm. that 10,000 is going to the retirement plan and then we're going to plan everything else for current benefits around the last 90,000. But if you're late in life, then you're going to be um, limited by non uh, qualified plan limitations and just funding ability. But sometimes you are working with pastors, all of a sudden their kids are out of the nest and we're not paying for college anymore. And maybe they can contribute more of their salary into a 403B. Maybe the church is in a healthier place and they can contribute more. So it is to start to look at what's the maximum we can put into various pools And then how do we come up with the money to do that and still stay within reasonable compensation? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I do want to highlight, though, the reality that obviously not every pastor is in the same situation, right? We have some pastors like founding pastors who may find themselves putting so much money into just getting the church planted, getting the Mm -hmm. church started, you know, and I find that a lot of these pastors on the back end feel that they're trying to make up for that lost time, make up for that money that they've had to pull into just getting the church started, much like what you and I could relate to as entrepreneurs, right? Right. And so I think that can be a unique situation where maybe, as you say, the the catch-up period would be of help. And then we have maybe on the other end, some pastors who, again, as we see the data, pastors who are aging, but maybe not exiting the pastorate. Is there some way that perhaps their church can help them feel more confident when they want to retire? We have to kind of circle back to our retirement plans and trying to fund those. And because one of the things that happens is after when a pastor has to exit, sometimes it's for health reasons and the timing isn't within their control. Sometimes it is within their control. But 
The last thing that needs to be on the planning is a continuation of payments to that pastor after he's left service, because that creates a lot of tax and legal complications to it. Yet it's a very common form of retirement planning. And yet it's one that's very difficult to do legally. And so even if someone's in their 50s, they could still have 10 to 15 years to fund a plan and make build some confidence that there will be funds there towards the end. Unfortunately, one of the retirement tools that churches like to use is to gift parsonages when they retire. And there's all kinds of legal complications and tax complications with that. So I think that I just always circle back. We have so much ability with our retirement planning and our life insurance planning that until you have maxed out all those options, that's really where you need to be focused on though. So Elaine, if we have listeners right now, church leaders, pastors, who fall within that 68% of Americans who say they have worries about their finances, what solutions could you offer to those listeners? I believe it's such that you have to address what their specific worries are. So for instance, for many, it's the cost of healthcare. And so there are different plannings for creating retirement or healthcare plans for retirees from churches, depending on the size, what we can do, what we can't do. So is that a conversation to be had with the church ahead of time? For others, it is living expenses. For those who have lived in parsonages, it is definitely living expenses. How do we plan to replace this home we've not had to pay for and don't have equity in? How do we plan to replace that? And what avenues are out there for us? And so the first step is let's have the conversation because the fact is, is most people aren't having the conversation. And in some ways, I do go back, I speak to many church groups as you yourself do. And one of the things is I go to those churches and I say, you have a responsibility to start some of these conversations. Yeah. Um, if we've had a pastor, for instance, who has been a founding pastor and we are 40 years into this, and maybe it's time to use a compensation expert to determine, do we have extra compensation because of low years that we can step in and use more dollars than we're thinking normally? How do we find the greatest amount of dollars? And then how do we plan for that? And you can't have this conversation too soon, but definitely if you have a longtime pastor and they're into their 50s, it's definitely time to have that conversation and to think about what they may need. And I will say, Elaine, one of the important takeaways, I think, from this conversation that I would hope our listeners are really really connecting with is that the conversation needs to take place, right? When we talk about the finances of the pastor, the executive team for the church. We can't just set it and forget it. We can't just hope that everybody's okay. And we can't hope that retirement will just happen somehow. It really has to be a planned event. And we don't want to have the idea that somehow because um, you work for a church that there aren't the same options. I mean, there may not be the same options, but for example, there certainly could be a retirement plan in place. There are absolutely churches that have solid retirement plans, solid Mm -hmm. benefits, and things that can really be of use for pastors as they are planning their financial future. 
So as we're wrapping up, Elaine, are there any final words that you'd want to share with our listeners on this topic? I think that I want to just wrap and have that conversation with your bivocational pastors also. Their needs may be different, but they may still have needs they're trying to plan for also. Sometimes if we're talking with pastors in their 30s and 40s, they don't even understand what those needs might be. So as I said, you'll gear your conversation somewhat to what where people are in life. And I think that it's just an important conversation to have. And a lot of pastors, I've talked to pastors throughout the years, and a little bit it's like, well, the Lord will provide. Well, the Lord will provide, but that's yes. not the best retirement plan absolutely to count on. Um, And the fact is, is the Lord provides as we make our plans and the Lord Mm -hmm. honors the plans of godly men and women. And Mm -hmm. so it is a seeking of what the Lord wants a church and a pastor to do to be financially healthy, to not create a burden to the body, to still be able to bless the kingdom and to do everything that they're meant to do to finish their kingdom work. Amen. And we just want the listeners to be encouraged to know that there are resources available for you. And so, Elaine, we will include in the show notes the resource that you mentioned for church law and tax. And we'll also just want to make sure that you know, as listeners, you know, as the bivocational pastor, the executive pastor, lead pastor, there are options available to you. And we want you to know that as a healthy pastor, as a healthy church leader, that health continues through the body, as you well know. So we just want to encourage that as we consider all these different angles this season. And thank you so much, Elaine, for being with me. And thank you, listeners, for your time and listening. For listening. If you found value in the Church Law Podcast, please leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and a short review so that other church leaders can benefit from this valuable resource. I'm happy to be your host, Erika Cole, the church attorney. And you can learn more about me and how I serve churches and their leaders at erikacole.com. That's erikacole.com. This podcast is brought to you by Church Law and Tax, part of Christianity Today's podcast network. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that the host and the publisher are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional person should be sought. Due to the nature of the U.S. legal system, laws and regulations constantly change. Listeners are encouraged to consult with legal counsel to verify the information provided here remains current. Visit churchlawandtax.com for more insights.